Shishuman and and I listen to my dad preach. This is Freeland. You're gonna listen to my dad preach. Hey, thank you. Those are my sons, Truman and Freeland, and you are. You get to hear uh, a word from me, Michael Miller. I'm so honored that you're listening in. And uh, we conclude a series that we've been doing on the dimensions of grace, uh, past, present, and future. We talk about the future, the glorification of believers, the earth, and the heavens. Heaven is coming to earth. We will get new bodies. Um, It's going to be a glorious moment at the great revealing of Jesus when he returns. Uh, I just unpack scriptures, what it says happens in that day, how that affects believers, how that affects the heavens, how it affects the earth. It's the blessed hope of the church. So I really hope you are encouraged and anchored um, no matter what you're facing, no matter what faces us in the days ahead. That is our blessed hope. So buckle up, enjoy. Um, If you have your Bibles... I'm proud of you first, if you have your Bibles. Uh, yeah, let's see them. Come on. It's our swords. Uh, open them to... I mean, anywhere is good, but... I'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians. And... Um, I, I want to talk about a topic that probably doesn't get a lot of airtime. I've actually learned in studying this topic this week. I've learned a lot. And uh, it's something I haven't taught a lot about at the upper room. Uh, but I, I want to, <clears throat> you know, after sharing this morning, uh, oftentimes the second time, it, a little deeper and you kind of process how you present it. And I, I really believe the Lord uh, wants to use this topic tonight and, and break fear off of your life. Uh, all, all fear is rooted in, in death. Like the ultimate, if you play your fear out, ultimately it will be the death of whatever that is. And, and the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus defeated death. And he tells us to walk in perfect love because perfect love casts out fear. Fear is not your friend. Is that from Nemo? (laughs) I feel like I'm hearing a kid's show in my heart, but fear is not your friend. And, um, like fear is a spirit that is employed by uh, the dominion and domain of darkness. And when fear has influence in your life, then the domain of darkness has influence in your life. And sometimes we justify fear because of our reasoning and rationing, but ultimately it is rooted in a spirit of death. And if I can help you see that death has been defeated tonight, then it will help alleviate fears in your life. Like if you, cannot, if you can walk out these doors knowing that if something happens to you tonight, tonight, if, if God forbid anything happen, which I don't believe it's God's will, but man, we're in a fallen world and things do happen. But you're not to live in fear of those things happening to you because Jesus is Lord and he's Lord of death. And when death knocks on your door, whether it's Whenever it is, and I believe it's, you know, I hope it's when you're old and gray and you've fulfilled every purpose for God, but when death comes and it comes to all, if the Lord tarries, it will come to all of us. And it's not something, especially young people think a lot about, about the day of your death or the moment of your death. 
But I want you to know with full assurance that if you've put your faith in Jesus, then when death comes, Jesus meets you in that place. That death is a door. And death actually, we don't go from life to death. We actually go from life to eternal life. And it's not just eternal in the sense of uh, quantity of time. It's a quality of life that you have never experienced. It will be unlike anything you have ever experienced that moment in time. And it's a transition from this realm into that one. And that your, your faith tonight, your faith, when you put your faith in the gospel, salvation came into your heart. And it was a seed that was planted inside of you. And that seed is incorruptible. And, and like immediately when you're born again, what we've been talking about is you're seeded. You go from dead not walking with God, not alive to God, to you put your faith in a moment in time, it could have happened on this carpet tonight to some people that came home. They put their faith and all of a sudden, they're born again. Like literally, you're born again. And the Bible says that you're seated in Christ. And we talked to this This position, spiritually, is a legal position called justification, that you've been justified before the Father. You did not have access to him, but now you have access to him. You don't just have access to him, now you're actually in him. Uh, Justification takes place in the spirit. Your spirit tonight is perfect. It has been perfected by the blood of Jesus. You're in right standing with God legally. This is good news. This is where the Christian life begins. It begins in a place of receiving. Um, It has to do with your past. You are, as a believer, forever justified before the eyes of the Father. You didn't do anything to get into this seat, and I don't believe you can do anything to take yourself out of it. This is where it begins. You're justified. Uh, then we talked, uh, Larissa, who is awesome, and my wife talked last week along with Peter the week before, who is awesome and one of my best friends. You guys got the best of the best. They talked about sanctification. And sanctification is, it's, it's that justified reality manifesting itself in your soul. So the position that you've been given by being justified, now you practice Now you walk. Now you get to see the fruits of that showing up in your life. And where there's wonky fruit, weird fruit, fruits of the flesh, fruits of whatever that aren't lining up with the word and with his will, you come back to this chair and you realize, oh my gosh, Lord, my true identity is found in this place. Holy Spirit, would you put to death the deeds of the flesh? Holy Spirit, would you empower me to walk in the righteousness that's been imputed through the cross? Like this is how that plays out. But you got the justified state, which is the done. Everyone say the done. Then the sanctified state, which there's a do in the done, right? So we do the done. You know, Mountain Dew, we do the do. No, you do the done. 
But in the done as well is the state I want to talk about tonight, and it's, it's glorification, and it's when we're made one with him. We will be made one with him. And I know theologically we're one with him because we're seated in this chair. But there will be a time in the natural, like where the spirit realm and the natural realm, where our faith becomes sight, and we literally are one with him. When we see him, we will be just like him. And the Bible calls that glorification. And the first part of that happens at your death. Because when you die, it's like, where, 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 what happens when you die? It's a great question. And to be honest, like the, the Bible doesn't have a ton to talk about. Like if you study out this topic of heaven today, heaven now, I mean, we can see some of the activities that are taking place in the book of Revelation. It depicts what heaven is like most. Like we see the martyrs crying out before the throne. We know that there was injustice done to them. They're crying out for justice so they can remember their previous life. Like there's certain things we can interpret from reading the book of Revelation about that realm, but there's not a ton. There's not a ton. But I believe this, I believe uh, Paul would say, if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians 5. So we know that when, 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 when we leave our bodies through a physical death, our spirits and I believe our souls are before the Lord. And we're living with him. And probably millions of others that put their faith in him. And there's this place called heaven. And it's not just a state that's ethereal and like, you know, magical. It is a real place tonight. I don't know if it's in another universe. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's actually here tonight and more real than we realize. We just haven't been given the grace to fully see into it. Like Elisha, I think it was Elisha and his servant He's like, pray for him to see what I see when they were surrounded. And he saw all these angels surrounding him, you know, like Stephen before Stephen is martyred. Stephen looks up and he's like, I see the Lord seated at the right hand of the father. He was all of a sudden given this grace to see that real place. It is a real place. It is not like fairy tales and Disney, it is, it, is, it is actually more real than tonight. Like what you see and know. And so glorification begins with that, that crossing that threshold uh, in death. I, I, had a, I had a dear, like the closest person to me uh, passed almost a year ago. It was December 27th. It was my cousin, my hero, my man, he, he, he died too soon at late forties, father threes, amazing guy. He like, he's awesome. His name's, his name was actually Michael Miller. We called him Chris, Michael Chris Miller. He convinced me when I was young that I was named after him, which was totally not true, but I lived a lot of my life thinking I was named after my big cousin, Chris, who pitched at Texas tech and just, he was awesome. And, and I know that tonight after studying, I know that I know that I know that my cousin is alive and is with the Lord. And I don't know if he can even hear me now, but that realm and that world is a real realm and it is a real world. 
And what has been glorified is their spirit, which your spirit is perfected tonight, but your soul is not. Your soul's still being perfected. But I believe in that moment when that threshold for believers who've put their faith in Jesus, I believe that in that moment, their souls are perfected. But their bodies remain in a tomb. They're no longer in their physical temple. And so here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about where things are heading because we talk a lot about what grace has set us free from, what grace empowers us into today, but we don't talk a lot about the future grace and how our faith today will activate a grace then and what will happen when Jesus comes back. Because the other time that glorification, there's two, two stages of glorification. The first is a believer's physical death, an individual believer's death. But collectively, for both the living believers on the earth and believers that are in heaven who have begun that glorification process where their spirits and their souls have been glorified, there's another stage of glorification that's for them in heaven and for us that are still alive. And it's going to be ushered in when the sky split and a trumpet blares and a man comes descending down to the earth named Jesus. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> That's what my Bible tells me. <laughs> the angels, when he's ascending, the disciples are looking up into heaven and the angels go, hey, listen, the one you saw ascend is going to descend in the same way. There's a lot that happens before that, um, which we may dive into a little bit in the coming days, just in time stuff. There's a tribulation. There's, um, there's just, a, there's shakings that happen. There's a lot surrounding his coming, but ultimately it is unto his coming. And, and when that happens, the final step in our redemption, like in in our redemption, you've been redeemed, you're being redeemed, you will be redeemed. The final application of our redemption is in that moment. It will be in that day. And so I, I want you, uh, I want to give you like a firm foundation for what's ahead for believers in Jesus. And my hope is that not only will, will you have a blessed hope of that return in that day, but that you'll have confidence in light of what you face today. Like if you have a diagnosis, I believe it's the Lord's will to heal you, but here's the deal is we win regardless. Amen. And I, I believe we should see much more healing than we have. But for the believer, my, my, I just like, I just want you to be confident. Because the Bible talks about suffering and it talks about like sharing in his sufferings to partake in his resurrection. And, and what you do matters in that day. 
There's other things when you talk about like eternal rewards, there's just some beautiful theological things that we can unpack to help us understand like the significance of that moment. But okay, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, he says this, he says, this is him talking about the mystery of resurrection. And this, is, this text is preceded by him talking about uh, resurrected bodies and how the hope of a Christian is in the resurrection of Jesus and that the resurrection of the dead is a real thing. And so in verse 50, he says, now I say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit means obtain or receive the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So the kingdom of God is the age to come in this context He's speaking of that moment when Christ returns. Look at this, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, a mystery is a mystery. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on the immoral. Immortality, sorry, not immoral. (laughs) But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, Then will come about the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So I want you to hop up to verse 51. Uh, It says, behold, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. So this word for sleep is actually talking about those that uh, have passed, those that have died. And he's saying that um, not everyone will die. Not everyone will die because there's a group that will be living when the Lord's return. But when the Lord returns, the Lord is returning with those who have preceded us in the Lord in death. Uh, look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. It's a couple of books over to the right. First Thessalonians 4. He says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, because those who are, about those who are asleep, about those who have died, about your cousin Chris Michael or fill in the blank of someone that you know that's close to you that has passed that knew the Lord. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, it's really important, and rose again, that is a bodily resurrection. It's not just talking about resurrection of spirit, resurrection of soul. When you hear that Jesus was resurrected, you need to know that it was a bodily resurrection. That's so important in this glorification component. Because glorification is about our body, as we'll hear in a second. For this we say to you, 
Oh, I'm sorry. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So who's coming back with Jesus when he returns? According to the scripture, who's coming back with Jesus when he returns? Even so, God will bring with Jesus those who have what? Okay, God is bringing back with Jesus those that have preceded us in death. So anyone that has put their faith in Jesus that is with him now in spirit and soul will return with him when he comes back, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.14. Who's Jesus coming back with? He's coming back with those who have transitioned from this life into that one. Look at this next one. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. So those that are on the earth, that's you and me, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. What is that saying? We won't precede them in glorification. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Look at the next verse. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Again, this is 1 Corinthians language. With a shout, twinkling of an eye, in a moment he will come back. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. (laughs) With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. What does that mean? It means the dead, those that have preceded us, will receive resurrection. A resurrected what? A resurrected body. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and meet them in the air. And so shall we, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Look at the next verse. Therefore, comfort one another with those words. So look at 1 Corinthians 15, flip back over there, where it says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. It's talking about that moment in time when he returns And those that have preceded us are coming back with him. We will be caught up in the air. We will be raptured in the sky with them and we will be glorified. We will be given a new body in that moment. Not all will be a fall asleep, but all will be changed. How will we be changed? We will exchange the mortal for the immortality, the perishable with the imperishable. Why? Why? This is so important that you see this. We are progressing from one age to another. And part of salvation, past sin, present sin, future sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, this is going to deal with the presence of sin. In that moment when he's descending, he, he is victorious tonight. He, he has conquered sin. And we read that when he returns in that moment, he is coming and he is going to defeat his last enemy who is already defeated, which is death. But in that moment, death will die. Death will cease and it will fully remove the effects of sin on the earth, like fully redeem not only us, but the fall of creation. Because when he returns, get this, this is so awesome. When he returns, he's coming back 
to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Thank you for the shofar. I've always wanted you to blow that when I make a, a good point. That, yes! Wow, that was the right time to blow the shofar. Listen to this scripture. Y'all like scripture? I am not, I am not making this up. This is what the Bible says. Look at this. Look at this. This is another scripture. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. Now, that sounds good. Like, yes, brother, we're ambassadors of heaven on the earth. But we're living on the earth. But our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state in conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power that he has subjected all things to himself, even death, and at that point, death will be booted out. So guess what? Thank you. (laughs) You and me, we're going to need new suits. Like, listen to this scripture. These scriptures start to make sense when you understand glorification. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter four. Therefore, verse 16. This is amazing. This is amazing. Look at this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outer man is decaying. Why is our outer man decaying? Because our outer man has been subjected to a fallen world. Our outer man has been made with dust of a fallen creation. And our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man, that spirit, that soul is being renewed. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. For we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are uh, seen are eternal. Keep going. Watch this. This scripture is about your earthly tent. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. This is John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. For indeed, in this house we groan. How many of you groan in your body? I know I do. I just turned 45 and my body groans a lot more than it did when I was 25. For we groan longing, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And as much we having put it on will not be found naked. He gonna clothe you. For indeed... While we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge for that day. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
That just summed up what I've been saying for the last 20 minutes. So when I'm out of my body, I'm present before the Lord. And that this earthly shell is just that. We're groaning and longing for this mortal state to be swallowed up by that eternal realm that we've been born of. So listen to this. Not only is, so glorification, this phase, this, this, this third, we've talked just for you, it's glorification. Glorification will, will, will actually impact three things. It will impact us and our bodies. And, but it will also impact the earth and it will impact the heavens. Because in that moment, the Lord, <laughs> the plan of redemption impacts all of them. The plan of redemption will bring forth a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation. Well, yes, it's Revelation 21.1. It says, then a new heaven and new earth were, were made. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, you know, creation is groaning. And it's longing for this reality that we're talking about. This, this glorification idea, this is where Romans 8, 19 comes in. Look at this. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, this is talking about the earth. The creation was subjected to futility, not willing but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory. There's that word glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. Not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits, even we ourselves grown within ourselves eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons. What is that? The redemption of our what? The redemption of our physical bodies. This is speaking of that glorified moment, the, the state of glorification. Creation is longing. Creation will be impacted. Why? Because he's going to baptize the earth with fire and he's going to completely purify her because King Jesus is coming from heaven to earth and he's going to set up a millennial reign and the Bible tells us that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. In that atmosphere with a new earth, there will be a new heaven, which means those that have gone before us, those that have preceded us, those that are in the presence of the Lord tonight know that even that state is temporary until he returns. Think about that for a second. The meaning temporary, not, not temporary in its, it's like, I think it's going to be very similar, but it's going to be different because that realm is coming to this one. The two are going to be made one. That's why when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it will be answered in that day. Heaven is coming to earth. What is heaven? Heaven is this redeemed. You're walking on it, but it will be completely refined and when God said, it's good, it's very good, he's going to restore creation from the fall itself. Man, this is powerful. So why do you need a new suit? You need a new suit because the suit you're in can't sustain you in that place. Like I was thinking about William Shatner, 90 years old. He gets launched into outer space by Amazon. And, and 
and you know, Amazon shoots him up. He gets out and he's got this blue suit on. Did you see it? Why did he have the blue suit on? Because his earthly tent ain't going to sustain him up there. He needed a new suit. If I drop you in the depths of the ocean and you don't have the right proper suit, you're going to have problems. And God has thought about that when he makes a new earth and a new heaven, he's going to give you a new suit so that we can live for eternity with him. And the effects of sin, the effects of the fall, the effects of it all will be removed. This is my final scripture. Actually, look at this. Second Corinthians, second uh, Peter three ten talks about that day. But the second Peter three ten get two more scriptures. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening? Looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord. So we just, we not only look for it, we hasten it. Because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What does it mean for righteousness to dwell there? Revelation 21 describes that. I'm going to end with this scripture. Revelation 21.1. Then John saw, speaking of the day when the Lord returns, when things have been glorified, he saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. There is a city that's coming that we as the redeemed will dwell in. It will be beautified. It will be marked with joy. It will be a holy city. It will be prepared as a bride adorns her husband waiting on her. Death shall be no more. There will be no mourning. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. Why? Because sin and the effects of sin, the presence of sin, the fruit of sin will be fully cleansed. There will be no uncleanliness. There will be no unrighteousness. There will only be purity and holiness. There will be unity among all nations. There will be unity among all peoples from all all walks of history from the first century to our century, we will be one in one city connected to him and connected to one another. There will be a fountain of the water of life. You won't have to pay to drink it. There will be pleasures forevermore. There will be a city of immense size and structure beautified by its stones and its jewels, its colors and its sounds and its songs. Only those in the Lamb Book of Life will be there. We will reign and rule with him. We will have purpose. (laughs) Oh, it's so worth us getting faith for that realm and reality that we are called to long for. This is the blessed hope of the church. It is called the blessed hope. Titus 2 talks of the blessed hope, and it's the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior. You know, many, uh, many years ago, I was preaching at the upper room. It was a little smaller than this. Um, it, 
was at our original upper room. It was one of the, the, the first, um, I think it was probably year two, but it was this tangible, palpable like presence of God. It was just one of those times you didn't want to leave. I'm, I, a lot of times when we have those types of moments, I, I just, I'll sometimes stay around after they close the doors. The cool thing is I have keys to the building, or at least I did. And, uh, and I would just hang out. I didn't want to leave because the Lord's presence, it was just so, so weighty. Like Samuel, you know, like I just want to dwell where he is. And it was just one of those nights. And, uh, and you knew it, like you could see the fruits of it, you could sense it in your spirit, but someone actually stepped back and they took a picture. And when they took a picture, uh, they, they, they were seeing like a cloud over the room. And so they snapped this picture and, and, and I actually didn't get the picture from, from them, I got it from this dad. And there was a dad whose, uh, whose son had been attending the upper room and he didn't know what to do with the upper room. And, like all young upper roomers do, they take a picture like this to their dad and they go, dad, look, it's a glory cloud. And, and the dad's like, what's a glory cloud? Like what? This is a glory cloud. You guys had a cloud. And he's like, did you see it? No, but it's on the picture. And so the dad's like, whatever, a glory cloud. Like, no son. Like, and so the, it bothered the dad. And so the dad took this picture home and blew it up on his, on his Mac, like big computer screen. And he brought the picture to me. And he said, you'll never believe this picture. And I said, what picture? And he goes, look, a glory cloud. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a big admission for him, but it was. And, uh, and he said, I've been, I didn't believe that this was a glory cloud, but as I've blown up this picture inside the cloud, I've found faces. And the first one, the first face, like I'll, I think this is on my Instagram somewhere. I may post it again for you, but if you can ever get a, a glimpse, like this face right here, that ain't a human. That ain't a human. And, and at first you're like, okay, well, maybe that's just like a, maybe it's a glitch on the, you know, the way that it shows up. Like, yeah, it kind of does look like Albert Einstein, but it, it's like, okay, maybe that's a glitch, you know, maybe that's just like the way the light flickered or whatever. And so that's, that's, that's me. I'm like, okay. But to be honest, if you look up in the clouds, um, above the, the deal, and I, I'm just sharing this with you, like, man, let everything that I shared out of here hit you. But I do believe there's moments like this where God kisses us, but we started looking into those clouds. And I, I personally have seen over 30 faces. Like there's, there's pictures of, there's, there's like a dude that has like a Roman centurion hat. There's these dudes that look like they're sitting Indian style. And, and I've even found the Lord like superimposed upon it. Like it's a very, 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 very swirly picture. And as I was looking at it, the Lord said, he said, Hebrews 12, he said, therefore, since you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that entangles. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Run this race. Why? Because we're surrounded by those who have not fully inherited 
their promises because their promises are connected to our promises. And in that day, their faith and our faith are going to be made sight and we will be glorified with that group of people. What is this? It's Bible. He's better than we know. He's closer than we think. And I believe that moment in time, I can say this with confidence, is closer than ever. But I really believe he's preparing the earth. And we need to get anchored in this. This message fuels evangelism. Fuels you burden for those that don't know him. Because there is another destination for those that don't. And it's why we've been sent to be witnesses of this resurrected one in faith.